Hello, everyone, and good morning and welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We appreciate you being here today. Thanks for coming along. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to get started while we get settled in here with some music. Edwin and Walter Hawkins and their performance at the White House. And we're going to go ahead and get started right now. We appreciate you being here. Thanks for coming along with us. Thank you for being here this morning. We appreciate you coming. And thanks to everyone here who's stopping in and live with us in church today. Good morning, Brother Nate. Good morning, Miss Marnell. Good morning, Mr. Gaines and Delia. Thanks for being here. Good morning, Dion. We appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for being here. God is good. Amen. Amen. All the time, God is good. Appreciate you being here. Time to get into the mode of praise and worship. Sunday morning. Thanks for being here. Megan Carolyn, good morning. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. Uh, the verses are going to be John chapter 15, verses 18 through 27. It's the last part of John. That's right. Uh, happy birthday to my brother, Kevin who turns <laughs> today. Uh, <laughs> yes, indeed. Anitra, good morning. Thank you for being here. And amen. My brother catches up to me at age by a year and a half, or by a month and a half, excuse me for only a month and a half and that's it, yeah. And I leave them in the dust again. It's not really a competition though. Thanks for being here this morning. Ronnie, good morning. Good morning to you.
Okay, that was Edwin and Walter Hawkins uh, performing a version of their song, Oh Happy Day, uh, at the White House. Um, this was a few moons back, but um, we appreciate uh, the music very much in the morning from our praise team. They put together, um, uh, Arlen specifically, they put together music for us to play just to get us settled in here while we get ready and get prepared for prayerfully hearing what God has to say to us. That's what it's all about. That's what Sunday School is all about, and we appreciate being able to do this. We have a few announcements. Uh, Lisa, good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, Pastor Gus is going to be giving the message today in church. We appreciate, um, for those of you who are in Akron who are coming, to come and visit us uh, for the message. Uh, it'll be started, The service starts at 1045. The message starts sometime after 11, after the praise team uh, is done singing. But we appreciate your patronage there. If you are not able to come to our church in Akron, uh, stay tuned here within this timeline on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page, and uh, we will have a live broadcast, barring any issues uh, of the service as well, too. And we just thank you again for remembering that. We do encourage everyone um, to make sure that you do continue to follow us here on the Facebook page. But just as a reminder, we do have a website, akronalliance.org, that you can go to for content. Uh, if you're going back and you want to go back and look at older content, it's available. Links through the Akron Alliance uh, website, akronalliance.org. And we are strongly encouraging everyone who has YouTube to make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have a YouTube channel, and we do have some subscriptions, but we want to encourage people to go to that channel because um, it's much clearer content. The, the videos there upload very nicely. And it also, we're, we're putting together a log of his, uh, videos as well, too. From earlier this year, we kind of started uh, using the YouTube channel. But we encourage that. Just subscribe to it and hit the subscribe button and uh, look for new content. We have new content every week on the YouTube channel. So we want to make sure that you're taking advantage of that. Uh, it is available for everyone right now. Um, you keep hearing about, you know, that Facebook is for the old fogies. Well, that's okay. Um, I don't mind being called an old fogey. But our YouTube channel is available. That's for a lot of a larger audience generally. So we just want to encourage that. And please keep keep a mind uh, keep mind of that as we go. Um, we also want to encourage everyone to remember your tithes and offerings. We uh, encourage you to pray about your giving. It is worship through giving. That is the way we look at tithes and offerings. It is a way for us to be able to take care of individuals who are in need, who come to our church and have a need. It is also a way for us to take care of the, the basic essentials in our church as well, too. We have to have air conditioning, amen. We have to have water and all those great utilities that we need, so we appreciate you giving consideration for that. But it is indeed for ministry, and that is what it's all about. So <laughs> so keep that in mind as we go. Um, we also have today at 5 o'clock, for those who are going to be available or who have access to it, a Zoom Bible study. Uh, the Zoom Bible study is something we do on the fourth Sunday of every month, and it is the fourth Sunday of this month, and we will have a Zoom Bible study at 5 o'clock today. We're in the book of Luke. We're continuing in our study of Luke. And the simple thing to do is if you want to participate in the Zoom Bible study, you will need to send your email address to, uh, to akronalliance at gmail.com. Akronalliance, all one word, at gmail.com. We typically send out invitations to the Zoom Bible study to approximately about an hour before the Bible study. But uh, in order for us to send you the invitation, you need to give us your email address. You would need to have Zoom available on your device. You would need to, if you're using a tablet or a phone, uh, whether it's Android or an, or an iPhone, you would need to have Zoom on your device already installed in order to participate. If, you have, uh, if you're doing it from your computer, it's, you don't need to worry about that. They actually, pardon me? It's a quick free download if you need to do so. Right, it's, it's free. Right, the download for the Zoom app is free. Uh, if you're using your computer, you don't need to do that as much. It will just give you links to click onto it. You can watch and participate through your browser. Um, 
And for those of us who are participating, we are all on camera, so keep that in mind. We figured by the 5 o'clock in the afternoon, you're already dressed. You don't have to worry about wearing pajamas or anything like that. So I think it's going to be safe to do that. If you don't want to show your face, you don't have to. Uh, I'm just kind of kidding around. But, but you're welcome to participate. And we in, in, encourage it. We're trying to keep growing that Bible study. We've had great participation the last few months. And we thank you again for just keeping that in mind. It's just another way to stay in the Word. Um, and just keep in mind, every fourth Sunday, we will be doing a Zoom Bible study. And that's from the comfort of your own home or wherever you are. Uh, wherever you want to be, you can do it right from there. Okay, we are going to now proceed into today's Sunday School lesson. Um, it is going to be in the book of John. We're continuing in John, as we have. Um, John chapter 15, and we're going to be in verses, the second part of John chapter 15. We're going to be covering verses 18 through 27. I want to set the stage a little bit for this uh, lesson. And I want you to consider that this is, a, again, we're still continuing where Jesus is having this regular teaching of the disciples. And we, by default, automatically conclude that he's teaching us by the words that he's using. The things that he has to say. He wants us to take these words to heed. This is a warning that is very important for us to understand as believers. And what I want you to also understand too, and I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way. We have a lot of people in our churches today who have very little knowledge of Jesus. Have very little understanding of who Jesus is. And we have to understand and really recognize that it is up to us to keep seeking Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, it says to ask, seek, and knock. Ask about Jesus. Seek after him. Go after him. Knock, the door will be open for you. But the one thing we have to avoid in any, under any circumstances in a church is complacency. We cannot be complacent in our faith. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for your encouragement. We thank you for your teaching. And Lord, we pray now that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. I pray, Lord, that the Spirit speaks through me, not my words, but your words. And Lord, we want to give you the praise and thanks for what you have done for us, what you continue to do for us. Lord, we want to know more about you. Even those of us who have been reading and studying Scripture for many years, we know that we still have a lot to learn. We are not in any way, shape, or form done learning about who you are. May we never feel that way. May we always desire to seek you and learn more about who we are as you speak to us about who you are. We thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 15. Let's take a look at verses 18 through 27. It is the continuation of Jesus speaking about, um, speaking about what's going on as he teaches and instructs the disciples. And they need this instruction because they're about to be sent out into the world to proclaim the goodness of Christ. But they're also being warned about the conditions that they're going to be doing this thing in. And the conditions are not going to be favorable for them. In fact, the conditions are very unfavorable. We have to understand something about what Jesus is teaching us here. And I think a lot of people, like I said, have a misconception. We already know that the world has a misconception about who... Jesus is. They, the one thing that they do know is they don't want to be told anything by anybody. They don't, want to, they don't want any kind of instruction. Let's go ahead and read the passage and we'll go back over it. John chapter 15, verses 18 through 27. I've got a lot stored in here and written down, but I just want to make sure that I cover the passage first. might be a good idea before we get into some of the material. So let's go to John chapter 15, verse 18. And I want you to notice the language that Jesus is using here. Something is very important for us to see. Verse 18 from the New Living Translation. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it. 
but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Verse 20, do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them. I'll make, make a note of that. Come back to that. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in their scriptures. They hated me without cause. Verse 26, But I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. Okay, that is John chapter 15, verses 18 through 27. Notice how this is following the, the conversation that Jesus is having with his, well, the communication that Jesus is having with his disciples after they had left the upper room and had gone out and they were going out to the different areas and if you read different commentaries, there's a, a bunch of scenery that's taking place here. This is a time of Passover. It's also the time of a full moon. And the disciples are walking along and Jesus is speaking to them about what's happening and what's going on. And essentially, um, one of the things you recognize too during Passover, he also went by the temple. So there was this conversation in chapter 15 about the vineyards. I'm the vine, you're the branches. And that's because they were probably witnesses to great vineyards. There were a lot of vineyards that were uh, planted nearby. And even the ornate doors of the temple would have um, something that would replicate a vine uh, woven within the use of the, of the front door area, some sort of a decorative type thing. So, and of course, when we talk about what, who is the vine, the vine is Jesus Christ. And the branches are essentially symbolic of Israel the nation of Israel. And there's several different passages in Scripture that refer to that. Um, I don't want to refer to those right now, but, but I, I do. we did refer to those, I believe, last time we got together. But he's having this communication to prepare the disciples for what's going on here. And notice what it says in verse 18. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Well, that's a pretty um, severe statement to make, isn't it? We have to understand something as believers. The world, the world that we live in, the world that we are in right now, hates God. Start there. Hates God. They don't want to have anything to do with Him. That's what Jesus is saying in this entire text. And they hate the fact that God is an authority. They hate the fact that People are telling, God is telling them how to live their life, how to go about what they do. They don't want that. The flesh wants to rule and control. That's the struggle that we have as individuals, amen? We have the flesh that wants to tell us how to live as opposed to living the way God would have it do it. And the world has its mind made up about this. Now, what was I referring to earlier about this whole thing about complacency? We as believers cannot be complacent in our faith. One of the worst defenses I can ever remember in, in NFL history is the prevent defense. The prevent defense was designed to supposedly keep the opponent from scoring. But what is the premise of the prevent defense? You keep everything in front of you so that the opposition who's trying to score on you is not advancing down the field. Well, sometimes it doesn't work that way. You know, one or two big plays and they're down your goal line. I hate the prevent defense. But a lot of us as believers play prevent defense. 
We're reactionary. And frankly, you've heard the expression in football, sometimes the best defense is a good offense. Why do you think Jesus tells us about going into the world and preaching the gospel? It means we go. We're moving forward. We're not going backward. We're not retreating. We're not running away. And understand something. The world is not retreating. The world is advancing. The world is continuing to put forth their own doctrine, their own way of thinking, their own way of understanding, and imposing it on other people. Why in the world would we be doing the retreating when we should be advancing for the cause of the gospel? But Jesus is giving us words that are very important for us to understand. I'm going to tell a, a tiny story here. Um, I've, I've probably shared this with one or, or more people, but I know, you know, when you have dreams, sometimes the dreams are very vivid, and sometimes the dreams are, you know, like there's somebody who's in opposition to you and is coming at you, right? It, it's like there's someone evil who is coming, and you know they're coming. And I had a specific dream. I was in a nondescript city. Don't recognize it. Could have been Cleveland. Could have been anywhere in the world for all I know. But they were coming up my sidewalk. And there were people who were coming. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I am not going to let somebody beat up on me. Now, this is in my dream, okay? This is in my dream because this is what I'm thinking, right? I'm not going to let somebody come and beat up on me. I'm going to defend myself. I'm going to, the moment he raises his hand to me, uh, he's going to get hit right in the, you know what, in the head, or whatever it is, right? And so I took this stance, and I actually stood on my sidewalk, and I was ready to fight. And doggone it, of course it's a dream. You think it's so vivid, right? And I swung, and my lovely bride next to me got hit by my swing. And I woke up, and um, all I could do was apologize. It's like, you know, I was dreaming. I'm really apologizing about this. I'm sorry about that. Um, I can laugh about it now, but at the time, I was horrified. I was like, I hit my wife. <laughs> uh, but, but the point of this is, is that, that I'm trying to make, very clumsily, but I'm trying to make it, we have to take a stand for Christ. We have to take a stand for what is right. Jesus is warning us, the world's not going to love you. And you can tell, even with the dreams that you have or the things that you see in this world today, the world doesn't give a flip about what you think. They're going to go ahead and do what they want to do. And you need to understand that. Verse 19, back to John 15, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. So you already see that the battle lines have been drawn for the world. We have to be very conscious and cautious as people. And sometimes Satan is very subtle in his messaging. My wife uh, and I heard last night a song that's pretty popular, and I, I'm not going to get letters. I hope I don't get letters for this. It's Sister Sledge's song, We Are Family. Now, it's a very popular song. We know the song, and, and, and we recognize it for what it is. And I don't know if it was intentional. I'm not going to get into that. But one of the most important uh, lyrics in the song about uh, the family jewel for, for that family is to have faith in you and the things you do. Well, I got a problem with that because the faith in you means you're really caring more about yourself and what you're doing and how you're going about it. Jesus says right in his own scripture, in, in, uh, let's go to John chapter 15. We're going to go backwards here. I got to pull it up. And I saw it and I'm like, oh, let's go back and look at this again. Uh... Let's see, John chapter 15. Where is it? Okay. Um, yes, verse 5. John chapter 15, verse 5. And we just covered this last week. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit 
For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. You think you can do something. And it doesn't mean that God won't allow you to do things. At the end of the day, God is going to allow things to happen in your life. You don't understand them, but He allows them to happen to accomplish His will and purpose. But you can't do anything without Jesus. Anything meaningful. And we have to remember this. And because you are not of the world, you're not part of the world, the world hates you. The world doesn't care for you. We have to understand, though, that even though the world hates you, it doesn't change what your responsibility is. You're supposed to love people, love the world, not in the sense that you want to be in it, but love the people of the world that you want to see them come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, which is exactly what Christ has said. He's just telling us and giving us a heads up. The world does not like your message. The world does not want to hear your message. The world does not care for your message because they don't care for God himself. They don't want to be told what to do or how to go about it. We have to understand that these warnings that Jesus gives us are very helpful. He doesn't want us going out into the world and being naive about what's in front of us. That's the worst thing in the world, naivete about what the world says or what the world's going to do. And it's important for us to recognize that Jesus does not want us being complacent. He does not want us playing a prevent defense. He wants us to, for those of you old-timers, you remember Air Coriel, right? The old, just keep throwing the ball, throwing the ball down the field, down the field, and, and moving and scoring points. And that's how we have to be. That is what we need to be doing. I didn't know how many football metaphors I was going to use today. I wasn't trying to do that necessarily, but, but it, it explains exactly what, the whole thing that we talk about when we talk about what the Alliance refers to, the Alliance talks about going into all the world and they literally do go into all the world and preach the gospel and they advance the gospel. Now, it's not going to be fast in many cases. It's not going to be an overnight thing. What is? Anything worth going after takes time and effort, but the point is you make the effort. The effort has to continue. The effort can't stop. You can't be complacent. You can't make assumptions that things are happening in a good way. And you certainly can't make assumptions that everybody in the church has knowledge of Jesus. You cannot do that. It's not in your best interest to do that. Just because people play along and go to church every Sunday, it doesn't mean that they have a relationship with Jesus. I'm not speaking about this church in particular. I'm speaking about all churches. All the churches where you have Alistair Begg preaching and David Jeremiah preaching and Robert Jeffress preaching, those huge churches, I'll bet you not everybody in those churches knows Jesus. And they may have been attending for a long time. But we have the world's thinking embedded in our flesh. If I hang around all these people, maybe all that good stuff about Jesus will rub off on me. Well, that's not how it works. It's not about rubbing off on anybody. You have to decide who Jesus is. You have to make a declaration for who Jesus is. But the world is going to tell you you're wasting your time. Back to verse 20. John chapter 15. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. 
Verse 21, they will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. Who's the one who sent Jesus? God himself. They've made a declaration. In all this talk about diversity that we hear about in the world today, we need to be very conscious of one thing. We're all the same when it comes to the human race. Amen? White, black, whatever. We're all the same. But there are two different camps. The two different camps within all races, you're either a child of God or you're a child of Satan. Amen? You're either a child of God or a child of Satan. And you'll notice how Jesus is telling us in so many words this in this particular section, but he says it elsewhere too. You know, when he says in John chapter 844, your father is the devil, who is he talking to? Those children who follow the devil, who deny God, who hate God. Even though they may have even come up understanding what God's word is, they're not living for God. And they're deciding to live for the devil. Child of God. The battle lines were drawn long ago. Long ago. Not just during our lifetime, but literally, literally, go back to the Garden of Eden, go back to even before the Garden of Eden, the battle lines were drawn long ago about how we're in a world of good versus evil. And you can tell that if you were to look at all the events of the world today and see what's going on, if you really want to break them down for what they really are, it comes down to, is it good or is it evil? There is always a common denominator in everything, everybody. And we get sidetracked often when we look at things that are happening, like, what's going on? What do you mean, what's going on? Scripture is giving you information to tell you what's going on. You don't need to be like, I don't know what's happening. What is happening in this world? Uh, that, no believer should be even uttering that stuff. I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. So if I catch you, I'm going to tell you about it. Nicely. With a sweet voice. But no one who's... This, but this is what I mean about having a greater understanding of who Jesus is, what he's been teaching us, what he's been telling us recognizing he's giving us information we can use and use actively. Don't let politics sidetrack you. Don't let personalities sidetrack you from the true message about Jesus Christ. Because Satan is very clever. He will keep doing that. He'll keep doing it. He's going to keep doing it because people fall for it. People fall for it. Even those who think that they're doing the right thing, even those who think that they're taking the right stand for Christ will still be distracted because Satan is very clever. But Jesus is the one that we have to focus on specifically. And Jesus is telling us, they rejected God, they rejected the one who sent me. Now let's look at verse 22. I wanted, I wanted to point something out here that's pretty important. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Now, let me be very clear, very clear about something here. The Word says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We are born in sin. We are already separated from God at birth. But now Jesus is making a very specific case here that because He is now on the scene, they would not be guilty. Well, they would be guilty, but not in the sense of total eternal condemnation. They're still separated from God. When, we're, when we come, we're coming up and we're growing up, we're still learning about who God is. We are still condemned, but God also knows the heart of the individual. He's referring to the hearts of these people. The hearts of these people who have turned away from Him. They're looking directly at Jesus they see the miracles, they see the activity, they see what he's doing, 
He tells people, believe not even in so much if you don't believe in me. Believe in me because of the works that you've seen. And he's saying now, because he came to them, he spoke to them, now they don't have any excuse for their sin. Because they've made a decision. You know what, Lord? I've seen everything you've done. I still don't care. I'm still going to believe. And I'm still going to hate God. So therefore, I hate you. And therefore, I hate everybody else who follows you. Do you get where I'm going with this? They're condemning themselves. Anyone who hates me, verse 23, also hates my Father. Also hates my Father. This is an important verse. The world does not hate their own idea of God as some vague someone out yonder. These are J. Vernon McGee's words. It is Christ they hate. Jesus says when a man hates him, he's hating God the Father also. Of course, because he said to his own disciples, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why do you ask if you know if you questions? You're looking. So we want to recognize that for what it is. Jesus says when a man hates him, he's hating God the Father. You can say that you believe in God and Him. Hang in there for those of you online. I see connectivity issues every now and then popping up. But you can't be popular, the popularity that you want in the world, and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're doing this for popularity, knock it off. You're not going to be popular with the world. You realize that some people just kind of hang out with other folks in this world just to gain popularity, rubbing off, you know, hoping something rubs off on them because you're associated with that person. You know a lot of people at church do that? People go to churches will do that? It's human nature to be surrounded by somebody who is popular. Our, our world teaches that. What is it about these things about celebrities? I know so-and-so. I've been around so-and-so. Good for you. And we take advice from people who are celebrities. And, you know, some of these celebrities out here are as dumb as doornails. And we follow these people and we, we say, what is he doing today? What's happening there? But that's our world, isn't it? Our world is, is very much into what it is to be surrounded by somebody who's popular around us. Well, if you're looking for popularity, um, Jesus is not going to help you to be any more popular. And that's a good thing, everybody. We don't want to be popular like the world would see popularity. You don't want that. Let's go to verse 24. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them, that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, and yet they still hate me and my Father. That's the reference I made earlier. They've seen the works of Jesus. Jesus has completed his ministry at this point. He's now just doing, basically, this epilogue. He's teaching the disciples about what to expect. And... We know in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, where we read about how God created us in his own image. You know how Satan turns everything around? Now, man is creating God in his own image. Based upon just this twisted Christianity. They'll try and create God in their own image. God loves everyone. So he loves everybody, no matter what you want to do, he loves you anyway. And it just twists God's words around. But we are our best own gods. We can take a stand for ourselves and do whatever we choose to do and ignore what God has told us. And we want to also understand, too, that 
Let's look at verse 25. I want to make this point too. This fulfills what was written in their scriptures. They hated me without cause. There's a couple of passages here to look at in Psalms. Go to Psalm 35, verse 19. It's interesting how the inspiration of God, you know, when, when, when the Holy Spirit was speaking through David and he writes this down, he pens this. Because this is within Psalm 35 and it's a prayer for victory of David. But look what it says in verse 19. Psalm 35, verse 19. Do not let my deceitful enemies rejoice over me. Do not let those who hate me without cause wink at me maliciously. And we're talking about people who have nothing good for David. And we're talking about people who have nothing good for Jesus either. Another passage. Go to Psalm 69. Psalm 69, verse 4. Of course, these are prophetic statements. And this actually kind of gives you an indication of how many people are we talking about that hate Jesus, that hate God. And of course, David is writing this plea for rescue. Psalm 69, verse 4. Those who hate me without cause are more numerous than the hairs of my head. That's a lot. Now, obviously, you can't, for those of us who don't have a whole lot of hair on our head, we can't really use that, but we can use analogies of people who have hair on their head. More numerous than the hairs on your head, that's how many people really hate God. The key phrase in both of those passages is without cause. They hated me without cause. They didn't have a good reason. What the reason is that they hate Jesus? They create their own false gods. There are there's an almost an endless list of false gods. And all of them have the foundational rooted word of pride. Pride in yourself, pride in your things, pride in the things that you hold to high esteem. We know what those things can be. Pride in their money. Pride in their worldly wisdom. False gods. What were the Israelites guilty of over and over again that we read about in the book of Judges? They kept being disobedient to the Lord. They kept going back to all the gods of the Amorites and the Hivites, all the other gods that were propped up. They went and worshipped them. Little wonder that when we look at Judges, the book of Judges, we see our world today. It's very evident. And God is very patient with us. He loves us so much, even when we're not acting right. He just wants us to come back to Him. Do you get that? He said those very words in, in Judges. He said, look, I've already told you, have I not already rescued you from bondage in Egypt? Have I not already brought you through the wilderness? Have I already not brought you and given you the land that I had set aside for you? Once they turned back to worshiping God and throwing away their idols, God felt sorry for them. That's an amazing love that God has for His people. And they had been pathetic up until that point. I mean, just literally pathetic. But we have to understand something is that we have people who have very cold hearts and when Jesus is referring to this thing about 
they hated me without cause. Well, the cause is that they would much rather do the things that they want to do. I'm thankful that this passage ends with a couple of key verses here. Go back to verse 26. And this is great for us too. But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. Now remember, he's speaking to the disciples. These guys have been around him for for two years. Two and a half years, give give a couple months, whatever. That's a lot of time to spend with somebody, learning and being trained before you go out. Ironically, the whole process of becoming ordained in the Christian Missionary Alliance is a two-year process. I just thought of that. It's a two-year process. You can't rush it along. It doesn't matter if you've been with other churches and gotten ordained through them. You cannot get around it. The guy that we met coming from a church in San Diego, they had merged with an Alliance church. And they said, well, if you want to be here, you've got to go through the whole training again. Son of a gun. But it's worth it. The time spent in the Word is worth it. And the time that the disciples spent with Jesus was worth every moment. They had to see the highs and the lows. They had to see all the miracles take place. They had to see Jesus working. Now what were they going to do with this information? Understand that when I leave, there has to be a Holy Spirit, an advocate to speak, to help you, to strengthen you. Because remember what Jesus says in John 15:5. Without me, you can't do anything. We can't do nothing. So we have to have this advocate. We have to have this teaching. Jesus is offering hope to us, to the disciples. The Spirit gives us the strength to endure this unreasonable hatred, this evil, this stuff that takes place in the world. And the hostility. What do we as believers face? Hatred, evil, hostility, persecution. Persecution. Now, I don't expect any of us are going to be hanging on a cross anywhere. But we still face persecution. Shoot, you get persecution from your own family members. You don't have to go very far to get it. If your family is not all believers, you'll at the very least be shunned. But the Spirit gives us what we need to be strong in the situation here. Jesus is using two different words for the Holy Spirit here in the passage in verse 26. Advocate and Spirit of Truth. Advocate means helping, encouraging, strengthening. A helper. It's really important to have a good lawyer, everybody. That's your advocate. In a courtroom, you need to have a good lawyer. It's the worst thing in the world to have a bad lawyer. Well, you can't have a better advocate than the Holy Spirit. Spirit of truth points to the teaching, the illuminating. You are still learning the reminding work of Jesus through the Spirit. Teaching, illuminating. Jesus says he's the light of the world. He wants us to be the reflective lights in the world for him. An illuminator. The Spirit ministers to our head and to our heart. And we need both. Because we need strengthening on occasion. Amen? We need to be strengthened. We can't, we know exactly the world we live in, and we know that it's not getting better. It's getting worse. We know that battle lines have been drawn. We know that the world is advancing their message 
their mission. Satan is advancing the message of mission to take as many people out as he can because that would hurt God. That is what Satan does. The more people he can convince to not follow Jesus, well, these are the people that Jesus loves. He wants to see them forever wrecked. We need the Spirit to illuminate, enlighten us, teach us, encourage us, help us to deal with the world that hates us. I'm thankful for the Spirit. Thankful for what He does. Please heed these warnings from Jesus about how the world hates you because it hates Him, because it hates God. But there are still people out there where we need to advance the kingdom to. Let's pray. Father, thank You again for Your presence today. Thank You for Your teaching. Lord, You indeed help us. The Spirit is more powerful than anything that we can come across. And we thank you for giving us this power, the power of the Spirit that dwells within the believer to help us to encourage and also to endure. May we remain strong and advancing the kingdom to others. May we never be complacent in this effort. May we never just take steps backward as if we're playing a prevent defense. Lord, help us to remain strong and positive and play offense with your word. We give you praise and thanks and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining me today for another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. For those of you online, stay tuned a little bit later on, about 11, you'll see the live feed from our church for the message today. For those of you who are not coming to the church in Akron, and for those of you who are nearby, come on by. We appreciate that very much. Take care of yourselves. God bless you, and we will see you next time.